0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Fourth and final hour, Dennison Callahan. Joining us on the AT&T Hotline, AT&T 4G LTE, with speeds up to 10 times faster than 3G AT&T. Rethink possible. Our friend from the uh, great Celtic radiocasts, Sean Grandy, joins us, the play-by-play voice of the Boston Celtics. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Hey,
1: it's never a good morning for a play-by-play guy to be up this early, but it's always a good morning to talk to you guys. Yeah, where, you you, where you are, are you?
0: nocturnal creatures by nature, are you not, when you're when you're involved in anything with the NBA?
1: I don't remember. Is this 14 years I've been doing this? I don't think I've been to bed before 3.30 or 4 in the 14 years.
2: That's, that's are, when we get up. Where are you now, Grandy? Where are you?
1: We're still in Miami, where, of course, fittingly, it's overcast, and now it's starting to rain. Do
2: mm. you, know, you see anybody, back. like, on the side of the road eating anyone's face? Because that happens <laughs> so, uh, occasionally.
1: That literally was, that's like two or three blocks from the arena. Jeez. Downtown, and I'm sure there are a few Twitter jokes about that guy and Kenny Mauer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when, when do you fly home?
1: Uh, we're leaving here, I'd say, in about two hours.
0: All right. Now, Sean, you've been around this team, as you say, for 14 years, this team in particular all this season, most and all of last as well, same cast of characters by and large. How do you think they respond to a game in which they could not have played much better? Uh, Doc Rivers in the huddle said, we leave nothing here. We spend it all right here. And they did, minutes-wise, energy-wise, grit, balls, determination, whatever KG wants to call it. How do they respond when they look at last night's game and say, we did all of that and still could not beat the Heat? What happens? What's their mindset tomorrow night for game three?
1: I think it's going to be difficult over the weekend. There was a moment when the Celtics came down here last year to play Game Five. They came here with that feeling, confident that they could play with Miami, but they had just lost that overtime game in Game Four. Mm-hmm. If you know the way the NBA works, you had that feeling that there was there was almost this inevitability about it. And there are many feelings you have leaving the game last night, but one of them is, you know, you're, you've that notion that was that your best punch and you still couldn't win. That said. Well, the other thing we know about the NBA is that you don't necessarily need your best punch at home. You certainly need it on the road, and the Celtics obviously—you know—you don't get many chances to win a playoff game on the road. Right. And obviously, that was an outstanding chance, but at home, you don't need that effort. The Celtics had last night. If they have two more of those coming up, they'll win the two games in Boston.
2: Do you? Were you shocked, Sean? And and specific, if you if so, what what surprised you the most would be. Rondo's 44, or would it be Ray Allen's 42, as in 42 minutes?
1: I thought that, you know, the rate... They 43. Were, in a game like that where Rondo Jerry gets all the, you know, this will always be the Rondo game. Mm. Years from now, it will be the Rondo game and the, the performance and carrying the Celtics. But there were so many guys from Miami, too, like Mario Chalmers. and the Ray Allen performance, things will get lost in this game, and it was the way he came out from the beginning. Everyone talked about Ray Allen for the last 48 hours, but he finally, everyone said, you know what, screw it. Uh, He's going to play. He's going to start. He's going to go through his regular routine, and he felt he just seemed more relaxed at the start, just seeing him before the game. And obviously he had chances in the second half, and everybody did. Paul Pierce had open shots. Ray had that, you know, what I in the heat of the moment, I called the Wes Welker shot. When the Celtics were up five, he had the open three. Yes. Fourth quarter, that would have made it eight. And you know you uh, you have those moments, but that was it's a different definition of Ray Allen in this series. All the things we know about him, he's sort of added to the Hall of Fame resume by playing this series and gutting it out, playing against Wayne Wade on, on one foot.
0: Speaking of adding to the resume, did LeBron not add to his resume of of not getting it done in the clutch, even though they won the ball game? He misses a layup at the very end when it was tied at 99. He misses the final jump shot, choosing not to take Rondo to the hole. And in overtime, bricks two free throws. That's not exactly changing that legacy that LBJ can't get it done in crunch time.
1: It doesn't. And I kind of threw that into the call in real time because of, you know, you, that's what everybody's thinking sure. as it's happening. And it's funny because, you know, there will no doubt be starting with you guys, continuing with Skip Bayless. And throughout the course of the day, this will be the topic of conversation when, you know, I'm not. If there's such a thing as a LeBron apologist, I'm pretty close to it. And it's funny because Dwayne Wade made a lot of mistakes last night, and he missed free throws in the fourth quarter, but nobody will ever say that. And to me, LeBron was in that situation at the end where if he takes a shot and misses it, everybody kills him. If he gives up that shot and maybe makes a better play, people right. will kill him even more yeah. for not taking a shot. Right. So to me, he's almost in a no-win situation. LeBron and Mario Chalmers were the reason that the Celtics were only up 15, Last night, instead of 25, which they could have been in the first half, and it's frustrating for Celtic fans, I know, to play against him and to watch him for a variety of reasons. And he gets to the line, but this is the best player in the world, and there are flaws in his game, of course there are. But to me, he's the reason that Miami's up. Yeah, to him.
2: you know what's real frustrating, and I know, Sean, you don't want to focus on the officiating. We don't either, man. We don't want to go all, all Tommy Heinsohn here, all Tommy, Tommy does, but the rest half- of us don't. We'd prefer not to, but it's hard on a day like this. You saw the face rake at the end on that on, the, the Wade on uh, Rondo. Uncalled. And I'm looking at, you know, right now, uh, you, you you got Dwight, I mean, LeBron James, 90. Uh, 91 two minutes, and a half. 92 minutes, four fouls in this series. Dwayne Wade, 82 minutes, four fouls in this series. Greg Stevesma, Four fouls in about 27 seconds. It, it just seems like there's a little imbalance in this series.
1: The reason that we fight, Max and I fight so hard, to not talk about the officiating, uh, one of the reasons, because a, a, nobody wants to hear it, but B, is so on a night like this, when you do talk about it, you have credibility in the fact that you never talk about it and try very hard not to bring it up, but it's almost impossible in a situation like this. And, you know, if LeBron misses shots in the fourth quarter, and guys make mistakes, Celtics picked up technicals, and the, everybody makes mistakes. There's going to be mistakes, it's all part of the game, you can't go to instant replay on all these calls. And listen, I, I will say only this, as an official, the worst feeling you can have, the most sickening feeling you could have in your stomach, is when you realize, after the fact that you made a mistake that cost uh. Galarraga a perfect game, or change the outcome, perhaps, of a playoff game. What made that so unfortunate was the timing of these calls. Listen, officials are going to miss 10 to 15%, 20% of the calls. It happens, that's the number. But you just hope in crunch time, it doesn't happen, and obviously that couldn't have come at a worse time, the Rondo one, because you had a tie game and Miami came right down and scored in a you know odd-man break situation, and Rondo would have had free throws and obviously it affected the outcome. It's unusual, very unusual, to look at the stat sheet of a playoff game and see one team be called for 15 more fouls.
0: We're talking yeah. with Sean Grandy, radio play-by-play uh, man for the Boston Celtics. I guess we can officially say Doc Rivers is playing with one hand, or coaching I should say, with one hand tied behind his back when his team scores 111 points and he gets seven, three baskets from his bench.
1: Yeah, and, you know, to have to play, I mean, obviously everyone will remember the complete game for Rondo. You mentioned, I'm glad you did, the 43 minutes for Ray Allen. Mm. Kevin Garnett playing, you know, 45 minutes right. plus. I mean, this is, this is, is where we are. I talked, I talked a lot about the Miami series last year and that when it was over, just as you know, for a snapshot, Rondo and Wade are two of the three best players in the world with Dirk, and they're galloping down the floor. Meanwhile, on the Celtics bench, you had two starters, Rondo and Jermaine O'Neal, basically in traction. And there comes a point when you realize the Celtics last year just didn't have the health to compete. And now it's almost as if this whole series is going that way. And of all, the, I said beforehand, it sounded like an outrageous statement to make on ESPN, but the reality is, given the personnel, the Celtics miss Avery Bradley in this series right. more than Miami misses yeah. Chris Bosh because of what he could do to look at how hard Ray Allen has to work to stay in front of Dwayne Wade, and that's what Avery Bradley had done so well. And the other thing that nobody mentions, and it's all you know, it's sour grapes and what are you going to do, and nobody cares, but the reality is you look at not only Jeff Green, the other name nobody mentions is Chris Wilcox. The the other freak loss for the Celtics because right. of the heart condition, mm. and throughout this entire playoffs, when Kevin Garnett leaves the game, it's been a disaster. Right between Steamsman and Ryan Hollins, they have not been able to hold the fort. And Chris Wilcox would have been huge in that spot. So I think it's more, you know, it's a hand and a foot and a lot of things Doc has tied behind his back. He, uh, you know, having been around him and knowing him as well as I do, it's trite to say he wanted to win that game because he wants to win every game. But I've never seen him as, you know, as emotive as right. he was. That was a very important game to him last night. Right, And
2: and the harder, the more energy they poured into that game, the less they'll have. But tomorrow night, tell us, Sean, how demoralized did they look? How devastated did they look, physically and emotionally and mentally, after that game?
1: I put that really high on the on the scale, um, and certainly and tired, right. certainly too. I'm not a believer that. I mean, you need more from the bench because, in the context of the game, they have to contribute. I don't believe that you know uh, Kevin Garnett or Ray Allen will be affected by playing 45 minutes instead of 38 by the time you get to Friday night. I don't, you know, sometimes things happen in those 38 minutes injury-wise that could affect you, but I don't think that will specifically be the issue. And would it be really difficult to play a back-to-back tonight? It would. Yep. Uh, again, the, what I was saying at the beginning, the, only, the saving grace here is that the crowd will probably be and will have to be huge for the Celtics, because that's that artificial energy sometimes that you need.
0: Now, Sean, when when you mention the name Tim Donaghy to anybody who's in any way NBA, they are compelled by law, I believe, to run the other way with their fingers in their ears so they don't hear anything that is said about him or anything he says. That said, he was on with us on Tuesday, and we were talking about the bogus technical foul calls that were beyond ridiculous. They were just just obscene. And and he talked about the fact that there is a system in place that officials know, and he's not suggesting the fixes in. He's not suggesting the league is saying who's going to, you know, win the NBA championship, but he says, he, he, he put it this way. He said, officials know what is in the best interest of the league every single night. And I asked him, How do they know that? And he talked about film sessions when the supervisors show film to the officials, the game officials, for that night. Here's a short 15- to 20-second soundbite, and I would really love to have uh, uh, your response to what you hear Tim Donaghy say is how the officials know what the league really would like to happen.
1: Uh, What's done is, you know, you just sit in meetings, and, uh, you know, supervisors come in from the NBA office and show game footage of uh, plays that take place that uh, they've seen that hasn't gone the right way in other games and it may be something that they may show that rondo may be traveling or palming the ball or they give examples of things that they want called and it just seems that they'll always go against that team that they don't want to advance
0: now i know everybody hates everything about tim donaghy and you want to discredit almost anything he says does that make have any credibility in your mind sean grandy
1: uh i think it well listen i at the, that's a blanket statement, and it is what we have to do. We are supposed to run away from it. But the reality is, some of the things that Tim Donahue says are absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. But you got to take them out of their, you know, their it doesn't mean that the fix is in. It doesn't mean that the, all this stuff is predetermined. It means that yes, officials do instruct. Uh, uh, officials are instructed to call plays a certain way and to have sort of a universal, you know, look to the same thing. Does it affect? Do they, do they have it in for certain teams? That, that do calls like that affect one team more than the other? No, I don't think that they do. And I think the notion that, you know, if you want to, when you lose a game like that, when you're a fan and you're white-knuckled and your palms are sweating and you're so angry because you feel you had it and there were bad calls that went against you, naturally that's the first thing you're going to scream out. I I totally get that. But the reality is, was it better for the NBA or not to have the Celtics win that game last night? I mean it was much better for the Celtics, for the
0: Celtics to win. Yeah, yeah but it's well. also much it's also much better if it goes 7 games as well. And and again, I you know, everybody said don't want to admit officials are human, but officials know that it is in the best interest of their league and their future employment and the length of their employment in this particular season if this thing goes 6 or 7 games as opposed to 4. I say that to say this. Don't you think would you be surprised to see the 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 propensity of calls that are iffy either way, go the Celtics' way in the next two games here in Boston?
1: I think the calls tend to go the other way. I was a little surprised in the second half. Normally we see, we'll we see a stat sheet by the end of the game. That's why this is so unusual. Mm-hmm. See, uh, you know, that that particular theory that says things even out is countered by the fact that Miami – was called for 15 fewer fouls by the time the game is over. Right. Sometimes those numbers tend to tend to even out. But I would also say, in the bigger picture, when I'm saying if you wanted to put on the conspiracy hat, about six or seven games, the statistical, the percentages of this series going six or seven go up dramatically if the Celtics,
0: Celtics win, win that game. Games.
2: Right. Is is Rondo capable of doing that again? He better be. Yeah. Uh,
1: and that you know we said from the beginning. I, it, it's one of those nights. Listen, as as most people know, I tend to. Uh, I have the tendency once in a while to wax poetic or wax historic about things and try to put them in their context. That's part of my gimmick and part of what I do. But to me, it was, you know, you can go overboard with the passing of the torch and all that stuff, but it was a night, if you're someone who has been I don't want to say I'm critical of Rondo. I, I have high expectations of Rondo. When people come to me, they get angry at me because I didn't, vote, I didn't consider voting Rondo for MVP. I think I voted him third team on the all-star team and not first or second because the thing about Rondo is if he could be the player he was last night, and we've seen this time and time again, but you see it for 20 games out of the 66. You see it for one quarter out of four. And to watch him last night do it for four quarters when the Celtics needed him to do it, defending Chalmers. He was defending LeBron from parts of that game. He was in front of Dwayne Wade. And it was just an epic performance that I hope eventually, when the series plays out the way it plays out and time goes by, I think people will truly appreciate how special that night was and what he realizes he can be capable of every night. This is the biggest advantage the Celtics have. All
0: right, Sean, we end on the... We, we end on the ultimate hypothetical question of all time. If you're Doc Rivers or you're Sean Grandy coaching the Boston Celtics, and you can have one or the other, either a completely healthy Ray Allen, but no Avery Bradley, or a completely healthy Avery Bradley, but none of Ray Allen, what would you take?
1: Uh, I'm Probably in this particular series, that's that's really
2: you're saying you're saying no Ray Allen at all, not the
1: no
0: Ray Allen at all, just, just done, done, done for the year. But a completely healthy Avery Bradley or the opposite.
2: I go with Bradley in a heartbeat. You
0: would yeah, you would against I'm, Philadelphia I'm, I'm for not sure. Go
1: heartbeat, but I'm, pro, I'm probably in that situation going Avery Bradley 60-40. Now keep in mind the most popular guy in town is the backup quarterback and the one you're not seeing. But the numbers and the, what we saw with the eye test with Avery Bradley on Dwayne Wade yes. doesn't lie and how well the right. Celtics played. The Celtics are now six and fifteen when Avery Bradley does not play 10 minutes mm. 20 games or 30 games over 500 right or whatever what he does
0: Sean Grandy always a pleasure talking basketball with you have a safe flight we'll see you Friday night at the at uh, the garden all right, guys. Sean Grandy with Denison Callahan on the AT and T Hotline. AT and T 4G LTE six and thirteen without Avery Bradley. Six and 15. Sixteen 15. and fifteen
2: without Bradley. I'd take Bradley in a heartbeat, just because Dwayne you know, Wade would be uh, upset Wade about is that. your guy? Right. He would be my Steve Casper to their Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, don't don't leave. He him. goes on the ice. You go on the ice. I would, and I think that would. Uh, they wouldn't have to double. They wouldn't have to trap the way they did. Mm. It worked, and I assume they'll continue to do it tomorrow. In fact, if
0: Avery Bradley were here. Wayne Wade might not score his first bucket until like 20 seconds left in the first half if Bradley were here. We'll be right back.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track, all wheel drive, and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe.